Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The show goes on. This is the official show on the Fish on First podcast channel with me, Eli Sussman, the founder of Fish on First, providing you with complete Miami Marlins coverage. Recording on Monday, November 27th. I told you guys I was going to be consistent making this a weekly show again every Tuesday morning. We drop these episodes on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate everybody that watches and please subscribe wherever you get your pods as well. Let us know how you're doing. I hope you guys are enjoying this. The last episode was a solo one, but this one I have a couple guys on with me to, of course, react to the big breaking news about Ryan Jensen being claimed <laughs> off of waivers from the Seattle Mariners. We're not actually going to get into that on this particular episode. The real-life Marlins roster, there are 38 players on their 40-man. We're building a roster from scratch, as you could see right here. Calling this the ultimate Miami Marlins roster. The operative word there being Miami. We're focusing on this episode, myself, Kevin Barral, and Isaac Azut, my fish on first staffers. We are focusing on building out the best possible roster from the Miami era of Marlins baseball from 2012 to present. You're now far enough along in this era that you could basically fill it out one player a year, uh, one hitter a year, and one pitcher per year from each of those teams, and you get a fullish roster a normal active roster in Major League Baseball these days, 26 guys. We're going to select one hitter and one pitcher from each of those last 12 seasons, as well as a wild card hitter and pitcher at the very end, just to fill it out. So 13 hitters, 13 pitchers, picking guys just on their best single seasons as a Marlins player. Can't repeat any players more than once and yeah, focus on their what they were at their very best. Wanted to loosely make sense as well. Players that want to address almost every position, player position, want to have some mix of starting pitchers and relievers. But if you know me, heavier on starting pitchers. The reason why I have Kevin and Isaac in here is to do most of the heavy lifting uh, for me, or yeah, more so that I respect their opinions, and I'll just weigh in if uh, there's anything that I want to veto or overrule them about. I think huh. Kevin, Kevin is going to pick out our pitchers, and Isaac is going to pick out our hitters and yeah, we'll go back and forth one at a time uh, doing that. How do you guys feel about this idea? I dropped it on kind of at the last moment, but you both seem pretty interested in doing it. Yeah. I feel Heck pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, obviously Isaac's knowledge of this team is a lot, goes a lot more years than mine, but I'm still pretty familiar with almost every year I could say. So hopefully I don't get vetoed by Eli here. Uh, it'll be like a research project for some years for some of the early Miami Marlin years for Kevin and for myself I have to reach back in my brain and think about guys that stood out obviously I also did my research but I'm I'm excited to do this it reminds me of the article we did on fish stripes back in the day about picking one individual from each of the 26 seasons of Florida slash Marlins Miami Marlins history so this will sort of resemble that in a way but just since 2012 so 
That is 11 seasons of Miami Marlins baseball in Little Havana. I'll link to that article in the podcast article page for people that are interested. And I invite people to build their own as well. I'm going to just embed a simple form on our podcast page as well that people can fill out themselves if you're so interested in doing so one year at a time and make any changes compared to ours if you don't like ours for whatever reason. We invite you guys uh, to do that. Yeah, so this is blank for now, but we're going to fill it in just one at a time uh, from a hitter and a pitcher. I also have these screenshots for people watching on YouTube, just a quick overview of the players that were on those teams. This is from Baseball Reference. This is the 2012 team. Oh, yeah, I need to. I think people can see that if you're watching along. Top 2012 players sorted by wins above replacement. And then it gives you a snapshot of the ones who played most at each position and a general depth chart from the starting pitchers and the bullpens that were used on those teams. So it just gives you a loose idea of who we might be considering with uh, these particular spots. So there's a look at 2012. We're going to go from oldest to newest right here. Starting off with our, our first hitter, Isaac. Who did you have in mind, knowing that you only got one shot to deploy each guy, and that was a pretty right. uh, frustrating year considering what the expectations were? Right. Yeah, well, for that season, there's obviously the name Giancarlo Stanton jumps to the front of everybody's mind when it comes to Miami Marlins seasons. I think we all know what his best season was, so unfortunately I had to hold him off for about half a decade later. But for this 2012 season, I went with the six-year, $106 million man in Jose Reyes. He had a really a quietly great year that he played in 160 games. Um, he hit 287. He went on a 30 some or maybe it was a, it was a very long hitting streak in 2012 towards the end, uh, August and September. He was, you know, the only bright spot for that franchise series um, going on in that first year at the ballpark. But Jose Reyes, he had a phenomenal year. And then that would it would end up being his only year as a Marlin. So Jose Reyes is my shortstop. He is my leadoff hitter. He, 2012 Jose Reyes, that is. And he is my first hitter. Who is our pitcher, Kevin? I was between two guys. Obviously, one of the big ticket signings that year, Mark Burley. But I decided to go Josh Johnson here, despite just 10 innings ah. less. Uh, he, he overall was a lot better. Not a lot better, I wouldn't say. But he was pretty. He was overall just better than than Burley, despite you know less than 10 innings less pitched. But you know, higher strikeout rate that year. The FIP was a lot better. And Josh Johnson's the Marlins legend at the end of the day. So he has to be on this list some way, somehow. And we're able to squeeze in, squeeze in, squeeze him in there in that final year. And JJ told us at Fish on First that 2012 is one of his most, was one of the seasons that he's most proud of for, you know, coming off an injury the previous year and going as many innings as he did when he sort of didn't feel well throughout the season. Uh, he is, he remembers that year very fondly, JJ has told us in the past. Yeah, let's keep right on moving right here. I'm glad that we could get him included. That was his final year with the Marlins. Of course, his glory yep. days were in the Florida days. He was amazing. This, yes. yeah, to have him involved in one way or another, that's that's a nice bonus to have here. Going back to the hitter side to 2013, um, another yeah, another a lot of these years on their own were really difficult and lacking in star power. But we want to represent each of them one way or another. Who's our 2013 hitter? Man, this was <laughs> one of the worst offensive teams in the history of baseball. This is a team that was shut out, what, 20 times, I think it was. 
it was it was very tough. Get Placido Polanco hitting fourth. It was a really tough team to choose someone, but I went with Logan Morrison for that <laughs> season. He played most of the year, only in eighty-five games, but he not many guys. There was there wasn't a lot of longevity with guys that year. A lot of trades and a lot of veterans that ended up losing their playing time to some prospects named Yelich and Marisnik and Ozuna. So Logan Morrison's my guy. At an OPS over 700, and if you look at this team, that was pretty damn good. So Logan Morrison is my guy. I know on the pitcher side, the choice was a lot easier for you, Kevin. Yeah, one of the bright spots of that season was the young rookie, Jose Fernandez. So obviously that was a very easy one, 219 ERA, um, you know, 172 innings pitched. I believe he was the opening day starter that season, so makes a lot of sense to go with him. You, you know, Isaac mentioned for such a bad offense – he wasn't all right. for such a bad offensive season. You know, it was one of the bright spots for this Miami team. I would like it noted that I wanted to have him as my hitter. He had not a bad hitting year in his rookie season at the big league level, but I was vetoed to do so. But honestly, I would have loved to put Jose as both the hitter and pitcher for 2013 because he did it all. Yeah, the home run that he had towards the end of that <laughs> season was one of the more memorable moments the entire year. And that's saying a lot considering yeah. how high the standard was. Fernandez, left field, it's deep, it is good, he got it, the kid in his last game, homers to left, we told you to come out, we told you to watch this one tonight. Yeah, he cruised to NL Rookie of the Year honors that season, um, deservedly so. Going to 2014, so, so far we have Jose Reyes and Logan Morrison, we have Josh Johnson and Jose Fernandez. One more reminder, we can't repeat any players, so we're saving some for later on. We've already used up Jose, even though he had one other season that was of a similar caliber, had to make some tough decisions with 2014. Who's our hitter from this year, Isaac? 2014 was a very fun year. Um, looking back on it, a lot of nostalgia. Um, Garrett Jones was there, but I'm going to go with, I went with Marcel Ozuna. That was his first full season at the big league level. No demotions. He played in 153 games and he OPS in the upper 700s. And he did it while playing a pretty decent center field, which is something that he didn't really do in the minor league levels. But he was asked to play center and did a pretty good job. So Marcel Ozuna is my hitter for 2014. And on the pitching side. I went with Henderson Alvarez for this year. Ooh. He was by far the Marlins' best pitcher, 265 ERA. Higher fit, but 187 innings pitched. It was, it was kind of an easy choice. I was between him and Steve Ciszek, but I, as you, I, I know you very well, Eli, and you want pitcher starter heavy, so we went with the, the easy choice of Henderson here. Ciszek was one where I'd be open to the possibility. He was one of the more accomplished relievers during his entire Marlins tenure as well. So, yeah, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to go towards I, I will say this. For 2012, I was considering him because that was, I believe, is one of his first years with Miami. And he was actually – I know he took over Heath Bell's uh, closer role there, but it was easy to go Josh Johnson there. But, yeah. Right. A glimpse at 2015 now, the fourth season of the Marlins – Miami residency. A quick glimpse again for those on YouTube. You could take a quick look right here, or you could find these stats all available on baseball reference. On the hitter side, who are we going with? 
Uh, well, I think the choice was pretty easy in this one, although there were some good offensive performers on that team. D. Strange Gordon um, was the obvious choice. 205 hits. He won the batting title. He hit 333. He, as a, you know, not a guy that hits many home runs, OPS at 776. He was 16th in MVP voting, won a gold glove, won a silver slugger. D. Gordon had, and that was his first year with Miami. And boy, did he make that trade look really, really good right away. So D. Gordon was the easiest, easy choice for 2015. And what about on the pitching side? Yeah, it was kind of easy too. I won Dan Heron um, yeah. for, for 2015. He was pretty good for Miami. That was another year where the pitching wasn't as strong, but obviously it, it was just the easy choice given you know the better stats overall. Was, I, I will say these were the years where it kind of got difficult to choose which pitcher. Uh, you, you kind of contemplate if you want to go reliever here in some cases, but Heron was a the fairly easy uh, starting pitching choice to go here. Um, I, I think Kohler had a had a beef there. He threw 58 more innings than Heron, um, slightly higher ERA. But Tom Kohler Kohler was very important for that team as well. But I agree that Heron was the ace of that team. Ugh, tells you how good that pitching staff was. But Heron, every time he was out there, he was considered the stopper. Yep. Even though he didn't finish the year with the Marlins, they they traded him right. for that deadline. They uh yeah. Chicago. Was, where did he go after that? Yeah, to the Cubs, right? Yeah. Guy that had a really good career, but most of that not with Miami. So we're now a third of the well, not quite four out of we're gonna pick 13 hitters and 13 pitchers. A glimpse of where we are to this point, building our ultimate Miami Marlins roster. Let's keep going to 2016. So that's gonna be the best to this point, the best overall team of the bunch that we've covered to this point. Mm -hmm. A lot of star power in there. A team that was in contention, that was buyers at the deadline. They were buyers before the trade deadline. They got a jump start on the trade deadline. Well ahead of everybody else to get Fernando Rodney. I don't think mm -hmm. he made the cut in this instance. <laughs> but um, this this offense was pretty special. This is, this is the team that offensively, they had just about everything you would want from a playoff kind of team a really deep lineup here so it's hard to go wrong with the hitter choice here who'd you go with yeah well i went with i think this was the beginning of the breakout for christian yelich what a year he had 155 games played an ops of 860 that is 860 he, he actually finished 19th in the mvp voting that year uh went home with a silver slugger he started hitting it out finally. It was his first time having double-digit home runs. He cranked 21. His Before that, his highest was nine home runs, and he jumped all the way to 21 in 2016. I believe that was the second year that they brought in the fences for the second time in that ballpark. Um, but, yeah, Christian Yelich, because of you know who's going next year, Yelich was a very easy choice in 2016. We could also consider Barry Bonds here. He was on the team <laughs> as a coach. Yeah, maybe if you put him in a uniform and put him in games, who knows what he would have done. He would have at least drawn a lot of walks, if nothing else, even in his mm -hmm. early 50s or however old he was that particular time. Uh, on the pitching side, it was uh, not quite as glamorous. That team was two pitchers away, as many would say, <laughs> from being a, a playoff team. But who was your choice here, Kevin? Yeah, this one's one of the harder ones. Obviously, I already had chosen um, 
Jose Fernandez there and can't go with him again. So I was down between two guys and I'm still contemplating who to go with. I'm between Con- Adam Conley, who I believe that was his first year with Miami. He was, he was pretty good. He was one of the better starters, but I'm going to go with the reliever out here. I'm going to go AJ Ramos. He was the all-star that year for the Miami Marlins. I don't think he actually got in the game, but he was there and he had 40 saves. He was, he was Miami's closer, and although some of them, you know, you were a little scared during that time when, when he got in that ninth inning, he, he got the job done. So we'll go with probably the only reliever I'll choose here, although 2018 has a case to go with another one. If I may, if I may, I I would say that if you're going to go with a reliever, David Phelps was the correct reliever. He had a I, I was, year than I AJ. Yeah, he I was pitching Phelps, all so. those high leverage. He was Tanner Scott this year before he got to the ninth inning. He was pitching the eighth inning beautifully all year long. He threw away more innings, struck out more guys, point five, I mean, half a run less in the ERA. David Phelps would have been my choice. But A.J. Ramos was a closer, so fair enough. Yeah. Hey, we need a closer to fill out our team, so. Well. <laughs> yeah. It's it's close. Uh, I agree that if it was going to be anybody besides AJ, it would be Phelps for the way that they used him and how effective he was. He was ultimately nasty, bro. Yeah. He was good. There hasn't been anybody. It was forty saves for Ramos that season. I, I don't think anybody has had more than twenty in a season for the Marlins ever since then. It was um. So I, yeah, we'll stick with that. We'll stick with Kevin's gut in his research on that one. 2017, the final year of the Loria era for this Marlins team. Finished with a similar record overall to the 2016 team, but not quite as, it wasn't legitimately in contention for as much of the year. They did have one guy in the heart of that lineup that really took off, especially during those final couple months of the season, shattered all these Marlins single season records. So I, I know where we're going on the hitting side here. Sir, we are going with Martin Pratt. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the only MVP in Marlins history, uh, Giancarlo Cruz, Michael Stanton. The guy hit 59 home runs. Like I said, he won the MVP. Still to this day, the only MVP award in franchise history. And the most important part about this for Stanton, he played in 159 games. 159, that is a career high for him. He actually played in 158 the next year with the Yankees. But in his final season as a Marlin, he slugged 631. That was a Barry Bonds type year. It was the most incredible thing that I've ever witnessed firsthand as a fan of the Marlins. And he, you know, undoubtedly is the uh is the choice here for 2017. And the pitcher. Is there a Stanton of the pitching staff this year, Kevin? No, definitely not. But no. you know. I I could go reliever here. I'm not going to go reliever though. I'm I'm just going to go with Jose Urania here this year. He was by far the Marlins' best pitcher, and that's not saying too much. But you know, he he didn't pitch as many innings as Dan Straley did that season. But yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go Jose Urania. My sec, I was you know I was looking down, and all of a sudden I saw Drew's second rider there, who had a very nice year for Miami. But we'll, we'll go with the starter here, and I, I think Urania would be more worthy of this spot than a uh, Drew's second rider. Yeah. Did you consider no Kyle Bearclaw? That was such a bad team, bro. Bad pitching staff, I shall say. I didn't. What was it? Three RA. Pretty good, but it wasn't one of his better strikeout years for Bearclaw. Um, yeah, exactly. In yeah. terms of actually getting outs, it was it was pretty good. 
with with Urania, um, yeah, even with a five twenty FIP. So I know that's. I, like, I mean, at least he kept runs on the board, but you could even tell that season that it was not going to last at all. Ultimately, I, I think it makes sense to give him credit for the run prevention instead of what should have happened. We'll give him one year. Yeah, the, the weak link of this pitching staff so far, some would say. Yeah, absolutely. Switching over 2018, a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as I mentioned, we can't repeat, guys. Anyway, did I not take a 2018 photo? I think it's better off that I didn't do that. You know, yeah. I, I, had these, <laughs> I had these screenshots for the stats of all the other teams, but it looks like I skipped over 2018. So that's for the best. What do we want to do on the position player side? The first year of Brinson, the first yes. year of, um, <laughs> aside from him, uh, Yadiel Rivera, his first Marlins yeah. season. Yes. Um, a new era in Marlins baseball, no doubt. Bruce Sherman era, first year under Derek Jeter. None of the names, if you guys are watching on YouTube, none of the names that we have named previously were on that team anymore. Everybody was gone, but there was one constant that's made it to the 2018 season. And that was Jacob Tyler rail Muto, the Marlins all-star catcher that year. He had a great year as well. Obviously um, OPS 830 at the catcher's position. What a guy won a silver slugger, his first career silver slugger that season. And he really boosted up his trade value knowing it was inevitable that he was going to get dealt. And they, he made it a great value in getting Sixto Sanchez, Jorge Alfaro and Will Stewart eventually at the end of the, in January of 2019. So JT Romuto is my pick for 2018. That's when he really solidified himself as, well, maybe not solidified himself, but he made a very strong case for being the best catcher in baseball that year. I remember being annoyed that he wasn't even close to getting voted in by the fans. People outside of Miami didn't care at that point. Only coincidentally, when he switches to a bigger market and a more competitive team that people really took notice. So I think he was the third catcher that got onto that all-star roster despite being awesome um, that season. On the pitching side, where do we want to go here, Kevin? Yeah, not very good year for pitching for Miami. When your number one was Jose Urania, that kind of tells you enough. And then Wayne Chen as the number two. So we're, we're going to go the reliever side. I have a feeling of an Eli Vito is coming here, but I really couldn't choose anyone else. Like This was a brutal year. I was close to choosing Nick Whitgren, who was pretty good for Miami that year, but I went with Brad Ziegler, who eventually got traded, and he got 10 saves for Miami. He didn't walk too many guys. And the submarine guy, Mm. you know, he was was pretty good for Miami. And so he eventually got traded for, I believe it was, um, uh, it was a pretty, I I want to say it was Tommy Eveld. It was Tommy Eveld. Okay. Pablo was Seattle. All right. Now it's people. Yeah. And I see the question marks. so, So, yeah. There's got to be. Well, we can't do Urania again, even though this year was. There's no. Argu- this was I arguably even out. better than his previous year right. for him. But you it was. Go, it was you, there's no one you could go with. No, there, there's, you could go with Conley. The only one that had an ERA in the twos was Nick Whit- Nick Wickren. Yeah, 33 innings. Wei and Chen, beginning of the end. Richards was not bad, 226 innings. Mm-hmm. Trevor Richards was fun at times, coming from independent ball uh, to being, yeah, at times he looked kind of interesting, but never really shined through. And, and Caleb Smith, that was a year where he had a lat injury right in the middle of the season. Um, 
It was it was more so 2019 that he started to take off. Yeah. And didn't really hold it anyway. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, especially because there was one streak in there from, from Ziga right before it got traded where uh, he was, for the better part of a month and a half, he was like untouchable pretty much. <laughs> the fact that he had that peak within that season that gave him some trade value despite the fact that he was owed a lot of money too um, for that yeah. particular year. <sighs> yeah. I th oh, and that was also the year Harlan Garcia where his first couple starts of the year, he – he, he looked like he a one, god. Yeah, he had one that was like no hitter through five or six, and then another one right after that that was pretty similar. He just he didn't sustain it, so I get it as well. Of course, Sandy made his Marlins debut that year, but he um yeah didn't pitch enough. He had that armpit infection in the middle of the year as well, where he that derailed him. Otherwise, he would have had more innings in the big leagues. So I think that's right. That's the best of terrible mm -hmm. options that we have on the pitching side, Brad Ziegler. So, well, yeah, I, I won't still 14 for 14 in your submitted picks going through. I'm not going to veto this one. Moving to 2019. So this is the year of the bunch, the worst record of all these teams. Lost 105 games. Uh, the Harold Ramirez led Miami Marlins this year. <laughs> but yeah, you could, you could take a look. It was... A really terrible off, especially early in the year. The first quarter of the season, they were on track to be historically awful. Things evened out a little bit during the middle, and then they finished with a thud towards the end of it as well. A lot of guys that went on to, not a lot of guys, some guys that have gone on to have a lot of major league success since then. But overall, just a really weird blend of, of veterans, and it's just a rebuilding team. This is what rebuilding looks like here. Who did we go with for our 2019 Marlins hitter, Isaac? Well, if you know, if you know me, you know who I went with. Uh, Process Daddy, one of the best third basemen in Marlins history, Brian Anderson. He OPS 800, 811 to be specific in 2019. And just to sort of tell you how shitty that offense was, he is the only qualified batter with an OPS over 800. And he, he is only one of three guys that had one at bat all year that had an OPS over 800. The other two were Magnera Sierra in 15 games played. He had an OPS of 806. And Tyler <laughs> Heineman in five games played had an OPS of 900. No one else. There was 20, <clears throat> 38 other guys that had an at bat. No one had an OPS over 800. Brian Anderson, that was a breakout of his power as well. He knocked out, what was it, 20 home runs. Uh, so yeah, that was an easy choice for that one too. Yeah, I agree on that. I remember Tyler Heineman as well. He did magic tricks. He yeah, he had a big home run in New York, one of those games late in the year, but at the very end of the year. Yeah, September call-up guy. All right, um, on the pitching side for this team, again, some guys that have gone on to great success. Sandy Alcantara, most of all, but he's had better seasons since then. And Pablo Lopez, this was actually his worst year as a Marlin. It was, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't be that one as well. Uh, and Zach Allen, uh, very briefly, right before they traded him, he made a great first impression on the pitching side. Who did you go with? Yeah, I mean, this was not a fun staff. It was hard to go with Caleb Smith. I didn't really want to – I was going to go with him originally. I was, I was going to go between him and Pablo, but 
I'm going to go with Harlan Garcia. He was pretty good for the Marlins this year. He had a 3-2 ERA, 3-0-2 ERA. The FIP was low. He struck out guys. I mean, it worked out for him. He had a good year. I know he was still between that starter reliever type thing, and he had one of the lower ERAs on the Marlins team, and he was pretty damn good. I mean, I could have gone Caleb Smith here. I know that was his the year where he was kind of taken off, but uh, I have a feeling of Vito may be coming here. But I, I'm, I'm yeah. vetoing it. He, he didn't start a single game for the Marlins that year. Caleb Smith was really, really, really good for mostly the first half of the year. 150 right. innings pitched. I, 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 no reliever there would I have chosen over Caleb or even Pablo. Pablo had a really rough year. Kind of like Ziegler, Sergio Romo, as he got comfortable, leading up to the trade deadline, he really took off. He was red hot entering the deadline. I, but I, I do suggest Caleb Smith here because early on that season, the hype was real. It looked for a while like he would be the Marlins all-star that year. Sandy stole it at the end because I think oh, wow. Caleb had to miss some time with injury in there, but there yeah. was, there was like some real excitement around him at times that year. He did look like the ace of the team for a chunk of that. The overall numbers look very mid once you got to the end of it. Because it came back down to earth, I, I think we should go Caleb Smith here. We sh- this is the point of this exercise is to celebrate those glimpses of greatness, uh-huh. or not even greatness, but <laughs> glimpses of guys reaching the best version of themselves, even if it didn't last. Um, and just remembering for who they were in that moment, Harlan was he was fine. He was a fine, not even a setup guy. Honestly, he was just a, a good middle reliever that year. Let's do Caleb Smith. So many more innings, about twice as many innings as Harlan, maybe three times as many innings that year. Fair enough. Yeah. Let's let's do it with him. Remember him. I think he's, I don't know if his major league career is even continuing beyond this year. I wonder yeah. where he's at right now. He's in Pittsburgh, I think, right? Your guess is as good as mine. Fair enough. So 2020, short season, but... um. Yeah, Caleb Smith, a free agent right now. Um, 2020 season, Marlins make it to the postseason for the first time in for the first time in 17 years. The Marlins wow. are going to the postseason. That was it's Paul Sutton. The Sutherland. Marlins win. I actually, yeah. he, I actually enjoyed his call of that a lot. That was a bad impression. Yeah. It wasn't that, bad. Uh, a winning record for that Marlins team in 2020. Um, yeah, I think this one is going to be pretty easy on both sides uh, because, yeah, with this team, it was unusual, kind of like the 2023 version, as we'll get to. They were outscored quite a bit by their opponents. It was not the classic playoff team in terms of overall talent that he had. Some individual guys stood out. So on the hitting side first, where are we going? Well, I never thought I'd go with this name, but Miguel Rojas had a phenomenal <laughs> year despite going down on the unidentified il uh the COVID il of 2020 he posted an ops close to 900 and 143 plate appearances he just really showed out he played a phenomenal defensive short sub like he does every single year but this year he really led that team to something that they hadn't done in 17 years so for me miguel rojas the easy choice the 500 slugging miguel rojas yeah, that was that was really wild. I remember after that season, all the skepticism from the nerds about him not being able to keep that up, and they were yeah. right, as it proved to be offensively. Truly when he right. did play, and as you mentioned, he did miss quite a bit of time on the COVID IL. I should I should remind people in case anybody has forgotten, like how big a deal it was when Marlins had a COVID outbreak 
during the first weekends of this regular season. They were at the center of a lot of emotions going on um, and the, the concerns that they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to field a competitive team. And that's another reason why this, this is a little tricky for a year, just because so many guys weren't available for the entire season. And yet they persevered and made it through. Who is our pitcher for this year, Kevin? Yeah, so I went with Pablo here this year. I, I had to get him on the list somewhere, somehow, and this was the obvious year. He did not go in the COVID IL. He made that first start against Baltimore that first game when they came back from their outbreak, and, you know, he, he was great. He was stellar for Miami. He, he, held the, he held the reins of the rotation, I guess you could say, while Sandy was, I believe, out with the COVID outbreak as well. So, yeah, this was an easy pick. Yeah, uh, he made every single start, every single scheduled start in 2020. He made it. Pablo was uh, was very very important for that team because without him, I, I don't think they they finished 31 and 29. And and if yeah. I can recall, Daniel Castano also had a pretty nice year. Yeah, Castano was nice. Castano was yeah, nice. Yeah, him and that was um, James Hoyt was a really good reliever for Miami in those short yeah. innings. He, he threw James yeah. Hoyt and his one ERA. I know. Yeah. That was that was fun. Yeah, that would not have been a terrible choice, but I, I agree. I, I had him and Pablo. I was like, we're going Pablo. We have to get him yeah, on the list. No, yeah, you can't go with anyone but Pablo there. Yeah. yeah. So this gives us a glimpse. We have just three more seasons to get to, plus our wild cards. Uh, there's a look at what we have here. Jose Reyes, Josh Johnson, Logan Morrison, Jose Fernandez, Marcelo Zuna, Henderson Alvarez, D. Strange Gordon, Dan Heron, Christian Yelich, AJ Ramos, Giancarlo Stanton, Jose Ureña, JT Real Muto, Brad Ziegler. Yeah, Brad Ziegler. Brian Anderson, Caleb Smith, Miguel Rojas, and Pablo Lopez for our ultimate Miami Marlins roster, selecting one hitter, one pitcher from each year of the Miami era as we go to 2021. Another uh, relatively non competitive year for this team coming out of COVID. Still some interesting names, some interesting one-and-done guys that were on this mm-hmm. team. Uh, yeah, overall, this was this is a curious year. Some players that, uh, yeah, just seeing this for the first time. Anthony Bender, this is Bender Mania. His emergence from a minor league deal, turning into a guy. Jazz's first year as an everyday player. But, oh, yeah, overall, a disappointing team. 90-something losses. We'll make the best of it with this ultimate roster, who is our hitter selection from 2021? Yeah. Before I name the hitter selection, just want to give a shout out to Starling Marte, who really was phenomenal that year for the Marlins before getting traded to Oakland in exchange for Luzardo. I, and for this project in particular, I stayed away from guys that were traded in the middle of the year. So I went with first baseman DH Jesus Aguilar, who probably (laughs) had his best year as a Marlin. He, he played pretty well in 2020 as well, but, I'm going to go with him for 2021, an OPS of 788. He dropped 22 home runs, didn't strike out a lot, um, got on base a decent amount, um, and he was just he was one of the captains of that ball club as well, especially when Marte was dealt. So Jesus Aguilar is my choice. And give us our pitcher. Yeah, I went with Trevor Rogers here, second in NL Rookie of the Year. I mean, it was, it was an easy choice for the most part. Obviously, we know who we're going with next year. Another big reason why I went with Trevor here. So, yeah, uh, relievers, I looked at Anthony Bender. He had that score uh, streak where he just would not get scored on. And uh, 
but no, uh, I think, you know, starter, we, we got to go Trev. He, he was great. And hopefully he bounces back um, from, you know, some tough two seasons in 2024. The first 20 something innings of Bender's major league career, zero Scoreless, earned runs yeah. allowed. Then maybe coincidence or not, when they started enforcing the sticky stuff checks, this was the first year that they started doing that coincidence or not that, from that point forward, he was more of a league average type of guy instead of a lights out setup guy for the Marlins that year. Definitely worth mentioning though. And yeah, I agree with both of those picks right there. 2022 as we're almost through here. The 2022 Marlins. Where's my graphic from that year? I don't know. That was a, that was a pretty frustrating year with some heightened expectations, um, some increased spending, the first year of Kim Eng pushing all the buttons as well. A team that, despite its disappointments, there was little glimpses during the middle of the year where I thought maybe they were going to get back in the race. Then they faded right before the trade deadline. A lot of rumors about what they would do at that trade deadline, and they mostly stood pat from that point forward. At the very end of the season, pretty miserable ending uh, for that team. So they had a similar record to the year before. A lot of familiar faces that, Came back in 2023, yeah. But overall, um, I know on the pitching side, it's we're gonna get through that very quickly. On the hitter side, where are we going, Isaac? Before I name the guy of the 24 Marlins who took an at bat in 2022, only three of them had an OPS over 700, and the man I'm choosing was the only one to have an OPS over 800, and that's Jazz Chisholm Jr. His breakout season. In 2022, all-star, um, second baseman, obviously he wasn't able to play in the all-star game due to injury. He didn't play a lot, but when he was on the field, it was really something special for him. He played, he had 241 at-bats only, 860 OPS, like I said, 14 homers, 10 doubles, 4 triples. Uh, stole, um, he stole 12 bags. Like I said, a very limited sample size there, but he was easily the best offensive performer on that club. Argument could definitely be made for Gary Cooper, but he was just less spectacular, uh, even though he played in 120 games. I don't know if he has a 750. I went with the best offensive performer, and that's Jazz. Jazz gets into one out towards center. Way back there, way back, and it's gone! A grand slam for Jazz! Yeah, and then for the pitcher, I think it's pretty obvious. We're going to go with Ooh. Mr. Sandy Alcantara, who won the first Cy Young for this Marlins franchise. And uh guy was lights out. There's no other way to say it. I, it was 228 innings pitched in 2022, a 228 ERA, 299 FIP, not even a strike, a K per nine over 10, didn't barely walked anyone. I mean, this guy was really damn good and it's also worth giving Jesus Lizardo credit he had a very nice 2022 as well but Sandy easily out outdoes him there you go the ace of our ultimate Miami Marlins roster for his incredible 2022 campaign so finally we are up to the most recent season 2023 everything all the buttons that Skip Schumacher pressed Went correctly. They also had some of the infusion of some shrewd trade acquisitions, the debut of Yuri Perez. A lot of things went right for this team. They had a good amount of individual talent, but they had 
intangibles that had them play even above their talent level in order to win a gazillion one-run games, make it to the postseason in a full-length season for the first time in 20 years. A very fun ride to cover. On the hitting side, they, despite scoring the fewest runs in the National League, they made it in. So who, which of these offensive players do we think is worthy? There's, yeah, there's a couple of really great choices here. The only player in baseball history to win the batting title in different leagues in back-to-back years. Luis Arise came to Miami and was every bit of himself that was reported, and then some. He was an all-star. He was eighth in MVP voting, won the Silver Slugger, hit 354. He had an OPS of 861, played in 147 games. He played through a really nagging ankle injury late in the year. He came off the bench on one leg in a big critical game in Pittsburgh in the playoff clinching game in Pittsburgh, got a base hit. He was playing at maybe 60-70% in the postseason in Philadelphia for this team. 4.9 war player. He was just he is one of the best things to happen to Miami in a long time. Luis Arise. And our pitcher for this team. Of course, we can't repeat ones we've done before. Can't put Sandy in again. Um, where, yeah, where'd you go, Kevin? There's a couple that uh, you can make the case for. Yeah, there, there's a lot of good choices here. I, I actually was between a lot of guys, but I ended up going Braxton Garrett. Uh, this guy was from start to finish, just consistent for Miami. Luzardo, it was a very close choice between him and Luzardo, but you know, Luzardo kind of struggled coming out of the all-star break. Braxton kind of had consistency. I know he had a couple of blow-up starts, but you know, most notably the Atlanta one, but Braxton stayed there and he he was consistent through the whole season. He made a playoff start just like Luzardo. So thankfully, thankfully we have the wild card spot and I could probably choose someone else from that 2023 team. So yeah, we're going to go Braxton here. Although Luzardo was a very, very, very close second. I would have gone Luzardo. And any consideration given to, you know, I'm the anti-reliever guy with the Tanner Scott. Well, that's what the wild card's for. I was going to choose Tanner for my wild card. Well, let me what, what, hold on. If, if Lazardo is a close second place for this, then well, for the starter, because uh, you know, I was between Lazardo, Brax, and then Nardi and Scott. Mm-hmm. So it's really either one, but I wanted to go Brax here. He he pitched for very well. I'm fine with that. He was, as you said, that infamous Braves outing. Outside of that, he was consistently great not just good but great kind of exceeding any reasonable expectations that we had for him based on his previous major league experience yeah i'm fine with that that brings us to the wild card this is a 13th hitter and a 13th pitcher that we can pick from any single season in marlin's history i think kevin already tipped his hand that he'll go recency bias and pick a 2023 pitcher and i'm fine with that as we touched on there are a couple really deserving guys what about on the hitter side, Isaac? It could be anybody. We wanted to yeah. make this kind of a believable roster, but I think we have most positions accounted yeah, every for. Every positions. Here. We have full yeah. outfield. We have JT as the catcher. He could catch every. We don't need a backup catcher. JT could catch every single day as he's done, <laughs> uh, especially since he's gone over to Philly. No reason to waste a spot on that. Um, where do we want to? We could go with some of the guys you've mentioned before. Could go in any direction here, but. We're still just picking a single season from this player, whoever it is. 
Well, imagine this. The guy I'm choosing had a 902 OPS in 2017, which was just third best on a Marlins team. So that is Justin Bohr. He deserved to be on this list. He had been there from 2014 all the way to 2018. Played some very meaningful games. Hit some very meaningful home runs. In that particular season, he played in 108 games. Slugged 536. Dropped 25 home runs. Third on the ball club behind Giancarlo's 59 and Ozuna's 34. Both those guys were already used. So we went with Justin Bohr. Um, there was an option of maybe going with Derek Dietrich at some point. But that core from 2013 really to 2017, there were just so there's just a lot of continuity there that there wasn't much room to choose other people because they were taking up a majority of the playing time. So Justin Bohr was the one guy sort of left off of this list that really was there the entire time. So Justin Bohr was the easy choice. He deserves his kudos, home run derby participant. And yeah. Justin Bohr, JB, baby. Uh, Justin Bohr, Jesus Aguilar platoon would be a lot of fun at first huh. base. Those, those some guys, both on and off the field. I, I like that idea. Yeah. And so far, our very final spot. I think we already went over it, Kevin. You want to go with, with Tanner here for his? We will, we will go with one of the best reliever seasons in Marlins history with Mr. Tanner Scott. I mean, to say this guy was... Phenomenal, I think, is an understatement. He basically won games for Miami. That two-pitch mix worked basically perfectly for this this guy, and he he's very well-deserving of this spot here, as much as you could go Luzardo or Andrew Hardy, who also deserve a spot on the list. Tanner Scott may have had one of the best seasons for a Marlins reliever. So let's take a look at this masterpiece for everybody to see our ultimate Miami Marlins roster of Best individual seasons from each year of Marlins history. From Reyes, yeah, Josh Johnson and Logan Morrison, some of the best individual talents in Marlins history, from a Jose Fernandez and the Sandy Alcantara to what Luis Arise has done this past season was pretty special in Marlins history. And you know, in all baseball, for what he did, the Giancarlo Stanton MVP winning season, of course. And JT Real Muto emerging as the best catcher in baseball during his final Marlins year. Even on the reliever side, I can't hate on Brad Ziegler and Tanner Scott and AJ Ramos. That's a fun um, diversity and styles that those guys bring to the back end of games. <laughs> and even, yeah, even some players that burned out all too soon, such as aside from Jose, of course, Josh Johnson. That was his last season as a serviceable major league pitcher. And Henderson Alvarez just couldn't stay healthy. He was still in his mid-20s when he was shining so brightly as number two guy in this Marlins rotation and occasional number one. And other players that even went on to be better. But the Miguel Rojas one is going to be a fun memory for how briefly that lasted. But that was real, and it counted just like any other season, as unusual as it was. So that's preserved here on this ultimate Miami Marlins roster. And I think the pieces kind of fit together pretty well. As I said at the top of the show, we invite people to uh, submit their own. We have a, a podcast page for this individual episode, and there's a form right in there that you could fill out to submit it, and then we'll post those on the site for people to compare and contrast what they came up with. I think the rules are kind of self-explanatory right here. Focus on Miami stuff only. And... I'll link to that Isaac article from all of Marlins history that did this exercise going from 93 all the way to 2021. 
when that came out so that people could compare it as well. So this is what we did to uh, pass the time, still relatively early in the quiet period of this Marlins offseason. And uh, we'll come up with more similar ideas as necessary as we can move on. But I'm sure people are uh, eager to hear our thoughts about Ryan Jensen. That's his name? Ryan Jensen? Yeah. <laughs> and, and all those other marginal moves that the Marlins will be making soon. Yeah, this has been uh, from Eli Sussman and Ken Burrell, Isaac Azu from the official show. Gearing up for the meat of this offseason, as Isaac will soon be heading out to Nashville for the winter meetings. Um, and yeah, there will be more contemporary stuff to cover with this Marlins team. And then we'll revisit this stuff in the future as more Marlins baseball gets played and hopefully from some new faces that emerge as standout players as well. We'll wrap this up here. Again, encourage people to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, rate and review. That helps us out a lot. Become a super subscriber. That is paramount to keeping us going throughout this offseason when Peter Bendix is keeping us waiting for intriguing moves. We still uh, come up with ideas for you and do what, as best we can to make sure that your super subscription support is well worth it. That's it for this episode of The Official Show. And uh, I'll be back with you more next week and plenty of more Marlins coverage on Fish on First between now and then. Go Fish. Go Fish.